0: I want to, to welcome you and welcome any visitors who, who might be with us. Um, this isn't how our the front of our auditorium typically looks, but uh, we're getting ready for VBS, and so we'll have that coming up in a week, and appreciate everyone who's already signed up and volunteered and, and already began to work on that. It's going to be a, a really great VBS this year, and we're looking forward to that. want to uh, wish Faye Jackson a happy 90th birthday, and... Uh, I think Kent had one too. You're not far behind, are you? Uh, <laughs> happy birthday to Kent. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble for that one. So, <laughs> well, we're, we're beginning a new study this morning. It's on the book of Revelation, so I'm glad you're here. Really, the key to understanding Revelation is understanding the first part of Revelation. Before we do that, we want to do a responsive reading. And so, uh, What you see here, uh, this is uh, from Revelation chapter 5. I didn't plan this, uh, but Frank um, just led the the song that we're going to read here, so that worked out nicely. But I'll read uh, the top part, and then when it comes to the underlying part, we want everyone to read that together. So this is Revelation five eleven through 13. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, Well, the book of Revelation might be the most misunderstood book in the Bible. It's also one of the most misused books in the Bible. And I think there are two extremes when it comes to Revelation. There there are people who are obsessed with it, and it's all they want to talk about. And there are churches who, who preach from Revelation more than most other books. And everything centers around this one book. And then there are people who want to avoid Revelation altogether. And to them, the book seems foreign and strange, and they don't read it, they don't study it. And it's almost like it doesn't even exist. It's in their Bible, but they don't want anything to do with it. And I want to suggest that both of those extremes are wrong. Revelation is important. It is inspired scripture. It is a written word given to us by God. And yet it's not to be the focal point of our faith... You know, if we had to choose a book or books that are the central uh, focus of our faith, I think it would be the Gospels. Uh, And this does not diminish any other part of Scripture. It simply acknowledges that Jesus is the climax of the Bible. And we are to model our lives after the life of Jesus. Revelation is an important part of the story of God. And it's not a book to be ignored or treated lightly. It is challenging to understand at times. But this does not mean that we should give up on it. We should carefully and responsibly study this part of God's Word so we might better uh, come to understand God's will. And so to understand Revelation is to understand God better and it also is to understand His will for our own life. And so. Why would we not want to do that? To come to a deeper knowledge of any part of the Bible is to draw closer to God. And so the title of the book comes from the very first line The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And we should probably begin by noting that the title is Revelation and not Revelations. Uh, this, This is a single revelation, not multiple revelations. And John receives a vision, and what he does is he records what he sees. And the title comes from the first word that is written in Greek. It is the word apocalypsis, and you might recognize that word. It's where we get our English word apocalypse. Revelation is considered apocalyptic literature. But we need to say something about this because the word apocalypse has become quite popular in our culture. Um, You know, people talk about a a zombie apocalypse. There's lots of zombie shows and zombie movies. There's a new Terminator movie coming out, and and films like this are called post-apocalyptic because they depict what will happen after the world is destroyed. Now, the Greek word apocalypsis does not mean the end of the world. It literally means an unveiling or uncovering. It is a revealing of what was once unknown. Hence the name revelation, the revealing of a mystery. And this is made clear in the other apocalyptic book that we have in the Bible, the book of Daniel. And so if you look at Daniel two twenty eight, it states There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And that's what revelation is the the apocalypse is the revealing of what god is going to do and that's what it means now there are some reasons why apocalypse means what it does today you know if you read through the book of revelation you're going to notice that there's a there's a beast or a monster in it there is death and destruction and something does come to an end it's not the end of the world but it's the end of the roman empire And so you can see the connection. But when we hear the word apocalypse, we need to remember that what it is is it's God revealing something to us about what he's doing. And this is what the book of Revelation is all about. So if you go on reading the first verse, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. And so the next thing we want to notice is the time period for this revelation. The vision that John has given are things that must soon take place. So again, the book of Revelation is not about the end of the world, but it's about the end of Rome. Now, to many, that might seem like the end of the world. Uh, No one imagined that Rome would fall, but it did. And, And there are a few places in Revelation that it does talk about The the end of the world. This is primarily in the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22. but, But most of the book is concerned with events that are going to happen really soon. And if someone today believes that Revelation is all about future events, then I think they've misunderstood the intent of the book. They haven't paid attention to the first verse, Revelation was written to Christians who were suffering under the Roman Empire. It was written to persecuted Christians. And some of these Christians, they had family members. They had friends who had been killed by the Roman government. And these Christians, they wanted to know what was going to happen. You know, They were very concerned about all these events. And they cry out to God and God tells them, Um, He does not tell them about events that are going to happen 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years from now. But He tells them about events that are going to take place very soon. And so the revelation they receive is that even though it might not look like it, uh, Jesus is sitting on the throne. He sees the evil that Rome is doing And he tells them that it will not go unpunished. But there will be a day of judgment for Rome. And next says, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. And the Greek word translated made it known literally means signified. And there are a couple translations that actually have that word. It's the, the more literal reading of the Greek word. But, but why would this matter? I don't often talk about Greek words when I'm preaching because, uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to. But here it matters because I think it's another clue about what we can expect in this book. And if you look at the word signify, you'll see the word sign. And so part of the message that we're going to encounter in Revelation is going to come by way of signs or symbols, For instance, in Revelation 17.9, it says that the seven heads of the beast represent seven hills. And that might sound kind of strange to us, but everyone in that day knew that Rome was the city that sat on seven hills. And uh, Revelation uses Babylon as an image for Rome. And those of us who have read the Old Testament, we understand that Babylon was an evil city that did evil things. And that John really isn't talking about literal Babylon, but he's using that to compare it uh, to Rome. And none of this should really be shocking to us, because we do some of the same things today. When something truly awful happens, um, you know, we start talking about Nazis, and we can compare it to Nazism. We have many symbols within our own culture. We use an elephant to represent one political party and a donkey to represent the other. You know, to an outsider, that, that might seem really weird. But to us, it makes sense. When we see a swoosh on a piece of clothing, we know it is some sort of athletic apparel. And I could go on and on, but you get the gist. There are symbols everywhere. And we sometimes speak in symbols. And so does the book of Revelation. So as we're reading it, we may come across some symbols that that we're just unfamiliar with. And we don't know what it means. But this simply... Uh, indicates that we need to do some research and kind of do some digging and figure it out. And in verse 3, we encounter one of several beatitudes that are found in the book of Revelation. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And this is something we need to pay attention to. What is described here at the very beginning of the book of Revelation is the public reading of Scripture. Notice he doesn't say, blessed is the one who reads this alone in his bedroom. Um, Instead, he says, blessed is the one who reads this aloud. And and, and he says, blessed are those who hear. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching... And so Paul tells Timothy to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture as is described here in Revelation 1-3. But interesting about that verse, Paul distinguishes the public reading of Scripture from exhortation, um, which we would maybe call preaching, and also from teaching. He says it's something different. You're, You're to be preaching, you're to be teaching, but you also should be involved in the public reading of Scripture. And the public reading of Scripture is something that's to be a part of worship. It's something that we're supposed to come together and do. We live in a culture now that highly values private study and private reading. But Scripture points out the value of communal study and communal reading. Uh, So much so that the book of Revelation opens with a blessing on all those who continue this practice. And these are the words that we are to read aloud. Amen. You know, it's sometimes difficult to to wrap our minds around the concept of time. But there are certain things that we can all understand. One of them is that we can only remember back so far. uh, I don't think anyone can remember their birth. Uh, We probably can't remember when we were a baby but our memory does begin somewhere. And we have memories of our childhood. But before that, there's there's nothing. And so this indicates that we all had a beginning. That there was a time when we did not exist. And then there was a time that we did exist. And so what we learn from this is that we are not eternal beings. But Jesus is. And he is described here as him who is and who was and who is to come. In the opening of the Gospel of John, we read, in the beginning was the word, the Logos. Um, This is something, uh, uh, a word used to describe Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so both John and Revelation open with a statement about the eternal nature of Jesus. Why? Well, it reminds us that we are not God. Jesus existed before we did. He knows more than we do. He, He was present when all things were created. He has witnessed all human history. We can read about history in history books, but Jesus was there. He saw it. He also is the one to come. And so he knows the future. He knows what we are unable to know. Jesus is eternal, and this is why we should worship him. The vision that John receives from the very beginning, and this will continue throughout the book, is that Jesus is on a throne, much like Isaiah uh, received a vision of God on a throne. And so we worship a king. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. John says he is the ruler of the kings of the earth, and so Jesus Jesus' power and his authority is greater than the president. It's greater than any earthly leader. He was king before our nation existed, and he will be king after it is gone. Leaders will come and go. Many of them will be forgotten over time, but Jesus will never be forgotten. And so up front, John is establishing who Jesus is why we worship Him and telling us that He's on His throne. And so not only is is Jesus eternal and has all power and all authority, but we also learn here that He loves us and He freed us from our sins by dying on the cross. And, you know, it it would be enough reason to serve Jesus because He is eternal and all-powerful. People have served kings and other leaders for, for much, much less than that. But Jesus gives us more. What he does is he gives us a reason to trust him. Jesus is good. He does what is right. He wants the best for us. He is not a tyrant, he's not in this for himself. He is a leader who makes sacrifices for his followers, even to the point of death. And he shed his blood for you and for me. He didn't have to do this, but he did. And so this tells us something about the character of Jesus. He's not only a leader that we should follow, but he is a leader that we should want to follow. And we even learn the kingdom that he has created is not just for himself, but it's a kingdom for us to enjoy as well. And he tells us here that we are priests in his kingdom. And so every man, every woman, every child who has been baptized into Christ is a priest. And we read passages like this, and we may take this equality that Jesus is describing for granted since we're so used to it. But this was not a rite that they were used to in the ancient world. People in the the ancient world were not considered to be equal, not at all. And long before anyone dreamt of the idea of equality, Jesus professed it. Everyone is of value. Everyone has been created in the image of God. No one should be used or mistreated or disrespected. We are all children of the living God. And as a priest... Uh, We enjoy a special relationship with God. We can talk to God any time that we like. And we don't have to worry about going through someone else. And so Jesus offers us a relationship with the almighty, all-powerful, holy, and living God. Why study Revelation? Well... Because we need to know Jesus is on His throne today. Just as those Christians living under the Roman Empire needed to know it back then. And we need to proclaim this truth when we are gathered here to worship the Lamb. We need to read it aloud so that it can be heard. And that all who hear it will be blessed. We need to know who Jesus is and what He has done. We need to know that He is still at work in our world today and that He's coming back again. And we need to know that Jesus sees every injustice, every wrong, and that He is with His people. And that He hears our prayers. And that we are priests in His kingdom. And one day... All these wrongs that we experience in this life will be made right, and every knee will bow before the one and only true and righteous King, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, holy God, we come before your throne this morning, and we thank you For the Lamb, we thank you for Jesus, your Son, and what he has done for us, that he shed his blood so that we might become priests and that we might enjoy a special relationship with you. We praise you, Father. We praise your Son, Jesus. We praise the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that they are working in our lives today. And that they are at work in this world. And no matter what's going on around us, we confess and we acknowledge that Jesus is on the throne. And we submit to his lordship. Father, help us to be the followers that we should be. And to serve Jesus with all our heart, mind, and soul. We pray this in his name. Amen.